it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. 
What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast. Today is Tuesday. It is the 13th of February. Hope you're all well. Having yourselves a pleasant spring day. We had one game in the Premier League last night. Chelsea went to Stamford Bridge and somehow came away with a 3-1 win, despite not being very impressive. Uh, Jefferson Lerma put Crystal Palace one up on 30 minutes. Ball played to Caicedo. Poor pass played to him under pressure. He loses the ball, breaks to Lerma, and it's a phenomenal strike. 25 yards out on the angle, gives Petrovic no chance. Chelsea dominated the first half in terms of possession. They had, I think, 78% of the ball in that first half and created 0.00 XG. Now, that's that's impressive to have that much of the ball and create literally nothing is impressive. But the flaws that we've seen with this Chelsea team were prevalent once again. Thiago Silva came back into the team and the defensive line dropped 15 yards from where it had been at the weekend. That leaves more space for the midfield to cover. The Fernandez-Caicedo partnership, the overlap between them becomes more prevalent, becomes more of an issue. And those two struggled to gain a real foothold. Despite Chelsea's possessional dominance, those two did struggle to create a foothold in the first half. Now we come out in the second half, and Pochettino has clearly had words. And he's clearly made it abundantly clear to his team that they're going to have to get their act together. That that first half was unacceptable. He makes one change. He brings Christopher Nkunku in for Noni Medeki. Moves Cole Palmer out onto the left where he belongs because he's just, he's horrible as a nine, but he's really good in those wide areas. Within two minutes, Chelsea are level. Lovely ball by Caicedo. Ka- to the overlapping Malo Gusto. Gusto's first time cutback into the box. Connor Gallagher arrives, times it brilliantly, and scores. 1-1. From there, Chelsea start to ramp up the pressure. But they can't find the second goal. On 61, they get their big break. Thiago Silva gets injured and has to go off. Levi Colwell comes on. The defensive line immediately pushes back up the 15 yards they'd lost because of Silva. Compress the space. Give the midfield less running to do. And from there, Caicedo and Enzo start to dominate the game. Now, Palace still had some decent counter-attacking opportunities. But it was very, very clear that Chelsea were the better team. And it felt like if there was going to be another goal, it would be Chelsea that get it. But the longer it went, the more frustrated they seemed to get. But on 91 minutes, again, it's Caicedo with a good progressive pass into Raheem Sterling. He carries the ball, finds Cole Palmer. Palmer does really well to find, again, the onrushing Gallagher arriving late on the edge of the box. Great first-time strike. 
and it's 2-1 to Chelsea. And again, three minutes later, it's Chelsea wrapping it up. Again, it's Caicedo with the outlet pass to Cole Palmer. He carries and carries and carries. Enzo Fernandez makes a great run. Nkunku occupies the centre-backs. Palace don't know where they're meant to be. Palmer picks the right option, finds Caicedo. He shows great composure, sits the defender, takes his time, picks the spot and finishes really well. And it's 3-1. Now, did Chelsea deserve to win 3-1? No, they did not. Their performance did not warrant a 3-1 win, but they did warrant the win. That's the most important thing here. So Chelsea go back into the top half. They are now 10th in the league, one point behind Brighton, two behind West Ham and Newcastle. If results go their way in the coming weeks, they could well find themselves in seventh. And that would make a lot of people ignore what's happened to this point where they've been, you know, 10th or lower. For Palace, they are 15th. It's three defeats in their last five. I saw a lot of people last night say, oh, that's got to be the end of Hodgson. And I, I, you know, I'm fully on board with replacing Roy Hodgson. Graham Potter is out there. Steve Cooper is out there. You can find a better manager than Roy. I would give him a pass on last night, though. Look at the Crystal Palace team that lines up to take that game on. You've got Dean Henderson in goal, Muniz at right back, Anderson and Richards at centre back, Mitchell at left back. You've got Hughes, Wharton and Lerma in midfield. AU and France are wide, Mateta through the middle. You've got no Mark Wehi at centre-back. No Czech Dekure in midfield. No Ebi Eze. And no Michael Elise in attack. You're missing your four best players. You take the four best players out of any team. And they're going to struggle. You take four players who, in my opinion, could play for most teams in the league out of Crystal Palace. It's absolutely no surprise that they struggle like they did last night. So I would give Roy a pass on last night, but they're still 15th in the league. They're still nervously looking over their shoulder. They're only five points clear of Everton who sit 18th. They need to start picking up some wins. And the prognosis on some of those injuries isn't great. It just isn't great. Olise Hodgson said he thought it was serious. We haven't heard much since. Dekure's obviously done for the season. Eze, I mean, we'll wait and see when he comes back. But it's not great. Not great at all for Palace right now. We'll move on to winners and losers. And I think our first winner of the weekend is going to be Tottenham. The last minute goal to beat Brighton. It's a huge confidence boosting win for them. But the bigger factor here for Spurs. Young Min Son back. Yves Basuma back. Two vital players. And now... 
you look at the Tottenham team that started, Vicario, Poro, Romero, Van de Ven, Adoigi. That's their first-choice goalkeeper, first-choice defence. Pape Matar Sar starts in midfield next to Bentoncourt. Matar Sar should be the starter. Basuma should be the other now that he's back. But Bentoncourt being fit again means they have their first three central midfield options. Kulosevsky, Madison and Werner. Like I said, you've now got Youngman Sun back. You've got your first choice line behind your number nine. The current first choice number nine is obviously Richarlison. And he started as well. Spurs are back at full strength. And that team at full strength at the start of the season looked really, really impressive. They do have some issues defensively. Basuma back in helps a lot of that. But I think Spurs are going to be a problem for teams moving forward. I think Spurs are are a threat to Arsenal to potentially catch them and finish third. Because Spurs have had to manage the last 14 or so games with injuries to multiple key starters with the absence of multiple key starters for AFCON. That hasn't been an issue for Arsenal. And yet Spurs are only seven points off top. Now, nobody thinks they're going to win the league this year. But if they'd had everybody this whole time, or maybe just one of Van de Ven and Madison was out for the year, or for the, 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 the two and a half months, maybe just one of Basuma and Sar was away at AFCON, I don't think there'd be a five-point gap between Arsenal and Spurs. I really don't. And you look at Tottenham's fixtures, Wolves home next, then they go to Chelsea, then they play Palace, then they go to Villa. That's four winnable games. Especially given Villa are in a funk right now, and Villa got the news yesterday that Bubakar Kamara is out for the season with a torn ACL. So he's out long-term. That's an enormous blow. He's their best midfielder, maybe their best player. There's also some suggestion that Ezri Konza is out for the rest of the season. He's their best defender. You take the best defender and best midfielder of any team, and they're going to have problems. If Tottenham get through this next four games, their schedule starts to ease up a little bit. Now, it does get really tough at the end of April into March. City home, Arsenal home, Liverpool away. But the final two games are Burnley home, Sheffield United away. And remember, the goal for Spurs this year is top four. That's it. They're in a great position to do that, but I think they can make a little bit more noise than that across the rest of the season. And the win at the weekend, I think, will be a big confidence booster for them. Next winner, we're going to go Manchester United to go away to Aston Villa. A tough place to go one of the better home records in the division and come away with a win in the manner that they did where they got outplayed for a long period of time but held their nerve, defended well and pulled out the late goal. I think that's a big win. That's three wins in a row now. Wolves away, tough place to go. West Ham home, who'd beaten them earlier this year and now going to Villa. I think you've got to have United as one of the winners of the weekend. And my final winner then is going to be Sheffield United because they won a game of football. They went to Luton, which has been a tough enough place for teams to go this year. 
and they they were by far the better team. So credit to them. Sheffield United, one of the winners. Our losers for this weekend, Aston Villa have to be in there. Losing at home, losing to a late goal, more importantly, losing Kamara for the season. That is a hammer blow. And it would be no surprise to me now if Villa start to tumble a little bit. I don't think they can drop much lower than sixth, being honest, because there's a 10-point gap between them and Newcastle in seventh. But it wouldn't surprise me if United caught them between now and the end of the season, especially if Cons is going to be out as well. That's, that's a really tough weekend for Aston Villa Football Club. Second loser has to be West Ham. Not so much the result, because as I, as I said yesterday, Arsenal were outstanding. Arsenal are a better team than West Ham. There's no doubt there. But the manner of the defeat, the lack of effort, the lack of desire and heart and fight, it was shameful. And I've watched that Declan Rice goal back over and over and over again. And I I just cannot wrap my head around the fact that you've just given up a goal due to your lack of effort defensively. And two minutes later, a ball is running free in your half and nobody is pressing that ball. Disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. And our final loser then, it's going to be Everton. I know it was City they lost to. But given Luton lost and Forrest lost, their loss just stings a bit more. As well as that, they just... They're in a miserable place now as a, as a football club. With the financial issues, the threat of relegation, threat of another points deduction... Major question marks over whether this takeover is going to take place. And the fact that the most the most promising thing to come out of that game, from an Everton point of view, the maybe the only promising thing that came out of this game from an Everton point of view was the 22 minutes in which Seamus Coleman played right back and Ashley Young played right midfield. Two lads whose combined age is well over 70. Two lads that, by and large, aren't good enough to play in the Premier League anymore were the best thing about Everton at the weekend. And that's concerning. So they're the third loser. We'll be back after the break. We're going to take a run through the championship in the lower leagues, and we'll take a look at tonight's and tomorrow night's Champions League games. See you after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, welcome back. Let's run through the championship at the weekend. Lots of games, lots of goals. Sheffield Wednesday 2, Birmingham City 0. Two goals from Ike Ugbo, who I believe is former Chelsea. Uh, Ipswich 2, West Brom 2. More points dropped for Ipswich and quite fortunate there to get a late late equaliser from Amari Hutchinson, also former Chelsea, uh, and get a share of the spoils. Cardiff nil, Preston two, Watford one, Leicester City two, Sunderland three, Plymouth one, Blackburn three, Stoke one, Southampton five, Huddersfield three, QPR two, Norwich City two, bringing back lovely memories of early 90s Premier League games at Loftus Road and such. Uh, Hull City nil, Swansea City one, Middlesbrough one, Bristol City two, Leeds 3, Rotherham 0, and Coventry City 2, Millwall 1. We have full round of games this week, midweek games. Tonight, Leicester against Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham against Hull, Birmingham against Blackburn, the Robbie Savage derby, Swansea against Leeds, Norwich against Watford. They're all quarter to eight kickoffs, if you fancy any of them. And we also have West Brom, Cardiff and Bristol City, Southampton in eight o'clock kickoffs. Tomorrow, Huddersfield hosts Sunderland, Stoke take on QPR, Plymouth versus Coventry, Preston versus Middlesbrough. They're all quoted eight kickoffs and Millwall versus Ipswich is the 8 p.m. tomorrow. So top of the table, Leicester City, 11 points clear of Southampton. But Saints have won four in a row and look really good. Saints are one point ahead of Leeds, though they have a game in hand on both Leicester and Leeds. Uh, Leeds have won five in a row and also starting to look really, really good. Ipswich have dropped to fourth, three points behind Leeds, but they have a game in hand, but they've only won one of the last five. Then it's an 11-point gap to West Brom. Then two points to Coventry. Sunderland level in points with Coventry. Then it's a two-point gap to Hull, Norwich and Preston, and that gives us our top 10. And right now, any of that group from five to 10 could take the last two playoff spots. It looks like one of Ipswich, Leeds and Southampton will join Leicester in the automatic spots. The other two should get home or preferable playoff uh, ties. And then... You've got six teams competing for the last two. 
Um, then you've got a four-point gap to Watford. Now, with that said, there's still 15, 16 games left. And we've seen it before where a team can put together a run of five or six wins in the championship. Others around them start to lose and just be inconsistent. Like, take Watford, for example. They sit 11th. They're four points behind Preston. They haven't won any of the last four games. Only taken two points from the last 12. Whereas Preston have won their last two and been able to jump Watford. So, you know, these things can happen in this division. But you've got Watford, uh, Middlesbrough and Bristol all on 41 points. Cardiff on 40. Then it's Plymouth on 36. They'll be thrilled. Newly promoted, they'll be thrilled with, with how the season's going for them. Swansea 36, Blackburn 36, then Millwall on 33, Birmingham 32, Stoke 32, Huddersfield 31, and then we've got QPR on 29, Sheffield Wednesday on 26, and Rotherham looking a rather gloomy proper upper of the rest of the table with 19 points, only three wins all season. Uh, On to League One. Wickham 5, Peterborough 2, Carlisle 0, Portsmouth 1, Bristol Rovers 1, Burton Albion 2, Charlton 2, sorry, Reading 2, Charlton 0, Blackpool 1, Oxford United 1, Derby County 1, Shrewsbury 1, Northampton Town 1, Bolton Wanderers 1, Port Vale 2, Stevenage 2, Barnsley 2, Leighton Orient 1, Cambridge United 0, Cheltenham 1, Wigan Athletic 1, Exeter City 2, and Lincoln City 2, Fleetwood 1. We have games again this week. They're all tonight, and they are all quarter to eight kickoffs. Exeter versus Derby, Peterborough versus Port Vale, Leighton Orient versus Northampton, Cheltenham versus Blackpool, Portsmouth against Cambridge, Fleetwood against Reading, Stevenage, Bristol Rovers, Bolton against Wickham, Charlton against Lincoln, Burton Albion against Carlisle, Shrewsbury against Burnley, and finally Oxford against Wigan. Pompey are top. They are six points clear of Derby, but Derby do have a game in hand. Derby are one point clear of Bolton, but Bolton have two games in hand on Derby and three in hand on Portsmouth, so they're in a good position. Then it's a three-point gap to Barnsley on 56, level on points with Peterborough. Then a three-point gap to Stevenage, who are one point ahead of Oxford. Now, there's a five-point gap between Oxford and Blackpool. So at the moment, you would say Pompey and Bolton would be the favourites to come up automatically, Bolton because of those games in hand. And then it would be Derby, Barnsley, Peterborough, Stevenage and Oxford competing for those playoff spots. Then it's Blackpool, uh, Leighton Orient, four-point gap then to Lincoln, Northampton, Bristol Rovers, Exeter, Wigan, Wickham, Cambridge United, Burton, Reading, who had the points deduction earlier in the year, five games unbeaten, three wins in that five, pulling themselves clear of the relegation scrap. Uh, Then Shrewsbury, then Charlton, then Port Vale, Cheltenham, Fleetwood, and Carlisle. Um, Five-point gap between Charlton and Port Vale and the bottom three, Cheltenham, Fleetwood, and Carlisle. And remember, four go down. 
So the moment Cheltenham, Fleetwood and Carlisle, especially Carlisle, they look done. Cheltenham and Fleetwood still have a chance. And the final spot is at the moment between Port Vale and Charlton. In League Two, <clears throat> we had full round at the weekend. Notts County 1, Gillingham 3. Walsall 0, Newport County 3. MK Dons 2, Accrington Stanley 1. Morecambe 1, Sutton United 0. Crew Alexandra 1, Crawley 0. Grimsby 1, Stockport 3. Doncaster 2, Tran- Tranmere 1. The Hapless Forest Green 0, Mansfield 4. Harrogate Town 1, Colchester 0. AFC Wimbledon 2, Barrow 0. Wrexham 0, Bradford City 1. Swindon Town 1, Salford City 1. Full round of games again tonight. Salford against Doncaster, Crawley, Walsall, Bradford, MK Dons, Colchester, Grimsby, Gillingham, Swindon, Tranmere, Morecambe, Mansfield against Harrogate, Barrow against Forest Green, Sutton United against Wrexham, Aki Stanley against AFC Wimbledon, Stockport against Crewe, and Newport County versus Notts County. The table has Stockport top, four points clear of Mansfield, who are three points clear of Barrow, who are one point clear. Mansfield, sorry, are three points clear of Crewe, who are one point clear of Barrow, who themselves are one point clear of Wrexham. But Wrexham have two games in hand on both Crewe and Barrow. Remember, it is three to get automatically promoted. Then we get MK Dons in sixth, Harrogate four points back in seventh. AFC Wimbledon in eighth. It would be great if the playoff final was AFC Wimbledon against MK Dons. It just would be great. Uh, then Gillingham in ninth, New, uh, Knox County in 10th, Newport in 11th, Morecambe in 12th, Aki Stanley 13th, Bradford in 14th, Crawley 15th, Walsall 16th, Swindon 17th, Tranmere 18th, then it is Salford, Doncaster, Grimsby, Colchester, and the two teams looking almost certain for relegation, Sutton United and Forest Green. In the National League, Boreham Wood 1, Maidenhead 0, Dagenham Redbridge 7, Oxford United, Oxford City rather, 1, uh, Chesterfield 2, Ebbsfleet 2, Oldham versus Bromley was postponed, as was Gateshead versus Aldershot. Eastleigh won uh, Field 2. Filed 2? Filed, I think. Uh, Southend 0, York City 1. Dorking Wanderers 1, Halifax 3. Woking 1, Hartlepool 1. Midweek, uh, Altrincham versus Wheelstone has been postponed, but we do have five, yeah, five games tonight. Solihull against Kidderminster. Halifax against Maidenhead, Aldershot against Fylde, Oldham against Boreham Wood, and York against Dorking. Uh, those are all catch-up games because there's been, you know, a lot of games postponed across the course of the season. Um, Chesterfield are just running away with it. They are 23 points clear at the top of the table. Then it's Brom- Bromley and Barnet looking like the team's most likely to take that second-place spot. Then Altrincham, Solihull Moors, Aldershot, Gateshead, Oldham, Halifax, Rochdale, Hartlepool, Dagenham and Redbridge, Boreham Wood, Maidenhead, Eastleigh, Wheelstone, York, Fylde, Southend, Wiccan, uh, Woking, rather, Dorking Wanderers, 
Kidderminster, Ebbsfleet and Oxford City are bottom. So there we go. That's us caught up on the lower leagues. We have games in the Champions League this week. Tonight, we get Copenhagen at home to Manchester City. Obviously, Copenhagen were in the same group as Bayern Munich, Galatasaray and Manchester United and came second in that group, which was a great achievement. Two wins, two draws, two defeats. Scored eight, conceded eight. Manchester City, they topped their group very comfortably. Six wins from six, going up against RB Leipzig, Young Boys and Red Star Belgrade. The other game tonight is RB Leipzig against Real Madrid. Now, Real were in Group C and they topped that group. Like City, they won all six group games against Napoli, Braga and Union Berlin. So they will be heavy favourites to go through against Leipzig. As I said, finished second in Group G behind City ahead of Young Boys and Red Star. They did beat Young Boys and Red Star in both games against those teams, but lost both games to City. Neither of those games is particularly interesting. City should beat Copenhagen pretty comfortably. But Copenhagen, they gave Bayern a tough game. They gave United two very tough games. They might cause some problems, but you would still expect City to come through tonight and the overall tie fairly comfortably. Real look rampant at the top of La Liga, whereas Leipzig are fifth in the Bundesliga, 18 points off top. They have taken four points in the last two games, which ended a run of three straight defeats. They don't look quite right. And you would expect that Real Madrid will come through very comfortably. Tomorrow night, a bit more interesting. PSG against Real Sociedad. Now, PSG were obviously in Newcastle's group. And it was not straightforward. They finished second, advancing only on goal difference ahead of Milan. Won two, drew two, and lost two. Made very, very tough work of it. Real Sociedad, on the other hand, they topped Group D ahead of Inter Milan on goal difference, ahead of Benfica, ahead of... Red Bull, Salzburg, three wins, three draws, so unbeaten. That, I think, will be a really good game. Now, PSG obviously rested a bunch of players at the weekend ahead of this one, showing how seriously they're taking this. But PSG can be very hit and miss. And Real Sociedad are a very well-crafted team. Very well coached, very well organized, and some match winners in the likes of Kubo, Controller in the likes of, and Yarzabal, obviously. Controller in the like of Zubimendi, who I think would grace pretty much any team in Europe. That one should be good. Lazio versus Bayern, though, is the one I'm looking forward to. So Bayern, obviously, they were in that group with Copenhagen, Galatasaray and United. They won five and drew that game with Copenhagen to come through comfortably with 16 points. Lazio were in with Atletico Madrid, Feyenoord and Celtic. They finished second in the group. Three wins, a draw and two defeats, 10 points. They have been a little bit hit and miss this season under Sarri. 
like in the league at the moment, they're eighth. Now, one win could take them to fifth because Serie A is quite condensed after the top three. One win would put them only two points behind Atalanta, who sit fourth. They've got some really good players. They obviously lost Milinkovic-Savage in the summer, but they play nice football under Sarri. They're always going to be a threat going forward. They've looked okay defensively this year. But that one should be a really good game because Bayern are a mess. They genuinely are a mess right now. This is the worst Bayern team in well over a decade. Like, go back to the last time Bayern didn't win the Bundesliga titles, which would be 2011 and 2012, uh, I believe, were the two years that Jurgen Klopp's Borussia Dortmund won the title. Um, That second year, the 2012 year, Bayern finished second. They were eight points behind Dortmund. The year before, they were seven. They they finished third, ten points behind. This is probably the worst team since then. It's probably the worst team since then. That first season, second season, that Bayern team were pretty good, but Dortmund were unbelievable. The confidence of winning it the first time around really spurred them on. This, this is Bayern at a really low ebb. And hopefully Leverkusen can stay the course and take advantage of it. Now, look, with the way Leverkusen are playing and the fact that they're unbeaten, even if Bayern were a decent amount better, it may still be that Leipzig would beat, or Leverkusen rather would beat them to the title. But as as near flawless as Leverkusen has been. They have dropped points in four different games. And normally that's when Bayern capitalise, when you drop points by drawing. But this has been coming with Bayern. Because if we look back over the last few years, look at how many managers they've had. Like the disastrous Ancelotti spell, the disastrous Nico Kovac spell, they were still winning the league comfortably. Obviously, Hansi Flick did great work there and won a European Cup. But then he got forced out. Nagelsmann takes over. And Bayern start to look beatable on a more regular basis. They start to look human on a more regular basis. And last season, if it weren't for Dortmund shitting themselves on the final day of the season, Title in hand. All you need to do is win. That's it. Win the game at home against Mines, a really, really mediocre Mines team. All you need to do is win. And Dortmund go 2 0 down. A Mines team, remember, that had lost four in a row going into that final game. And Dortmund go 2-0 down. Now, they fight back and they get a draw. But the draw is no use and they lose the title on goal difference. But Dortmund should have been winning the title last year. They bottled the title last year. 
in spectacular fashion. Bayern only took 71 points last year in the league. The year before it was 77, the year before that 78, because remember, there's only 34 games. 78, 82, 78, 84, 82, 88, 79. That brings us back 10 years. 71 points was about as low as Bayern could get last year. And Dortmund couldn't beat them to the title. Leverkusen can do it this year, but this has been coming. This is as much to do with Bayern as it is anything else. Now, it's a, look, huge credit to Leverkusen because someone has to take advantage of it. Someone has to take advantage of it. Dortmund couldn't do it last year. Leverkusen looked like they might this year. But Bayern are very, very beatable right now. And it wouldn't surprise me if Lazio beat them. That game will be in Rome. 8pm kickoff tomorrow. So again, Copenhagen City tonight. Leipzig Real tonight. PSG Real Sociedad tomorrow. Lazio Bayern tomorrow. Then next week we've got four games as well. We've also got uh, Europa League and Europa Conference League this week. But we'll talk about them more on Thursday. We'll go to break. We'll come back with the news and the gossip. See you soon. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Right, welcome back. So, into the news. Uh, Syria clubs have voted to keep Syria at 20 teams. There had been a proposal put forward to reduce it to 18 teams, similar to the Bundesliga and how the French League have gone. Uh, 16 of the 20 voted to keep it at 20 teams. Juventus, both Milan clubs and Roma voted to cut the number to uh, 16. I doubt we've heard the last of that, but we'll wait and see. Um, There is a good profile on the BBC website on Rooney Bargski, the young Copenhagen uh, winger, teen sensation, who's been talked about and linked to a number of top clubs. He is a player that is drawing a lot of attention and for good reason. And it must be quite an exciting time to be a fan of the Swedish national team, given some of the the talent you have available to you. Think strikers, you think Alexander Isak, Victor Jokerez, two of the best sort of 25 and under strikers in Europe right now. You've got Dejan Kulisevsky, one of the better wingers around, plus this kid, if they can figure out which one of them can play left wing, because they both prefer to play on the right. But if they can work that out, then that is a front four, potentially sensational. You've also got Mamadou Sonko, um, the young left winger who's moved from Hacken 
to Ghent in Belgium. He's a very, very exciting player. Then you've got Jens Kahoost, who I'm a big fan of, plays for Napoli now. He's a very, very good midfielder. But the, th- the two midfielders that are really drawing all the attention, uh, one is Lucas Bergval, who will move to Spurs in the summer and is incredibly highly rated, uh, 18-year-old. And the other is Hugo Larsson at Eintracht Frankfurt, who moved to Eintracht in the summer for what was a record sale for a Swedish club. And there's already talk that he could move again this coming summer for somewhere in the region of 40 to 50 million. Uh, Sebastian Nanasi is another one that looks like a really, really promising player. And he's one that's gotten quite a bit of attention in recent weeks uh, for some of the performances he's been putting on from Malmo. And then finally, there is young Yasin Ayari, who is gone on loan, I think, to Blackburn after his loan at Coventry didn't work out. He is at, he's owned by Brighton. Another really exciting young midfielder. Now, defensively, I don't know. I, I To me, when I look at the names, I, I don't see standout talent, but maybe some of these younger defenders like Sebastian Dahl, Marcus Carlson, Jesper Tolinson, maybe some of them have high ceilings and could potentially form a a really strong back line to go with what will be potentially one of the better midfields and attacks in European international football. Uh, Gareth Crooks has picked his team of the week. He went with Cuevin Kelleher. Okay. Uh, Saliba, because he scored. Gabriel, because he scored. Neither of them had anything to do defensively, but they scored, so that's enough. For Garth, he's picked Harry Maguire because you know Brexit is Brexit. Uh, he's picked Connor Gallagher, who actually didn't play well last night, but did get two goals. He picked Bruno Gomerish, who didn't play all that well, but got two goals. Uh, he picked Declan Rice, who did have a, an outstanding game. He's picked Kevin De Bruyne as a left wing back. He's picked Erling Haaland as a ten, and he's put Ivan Tony, who didn't play well. In because he scored, he's also picked Bakayo Saka. That team is, as always, an absolute mess. There is a piece here entitled Man United Latest, the case for selling one of Europe's best. And then there's a picture of Luke Shaw, so I'm a bit confused by what's going on. Uh, Leah Williamson will return to the England squad for the first time since April. She is now fully recovered from a cruciate knee ligament injury and will take her place for the friendlies against Austria and Italy. Liverpool have invited Sven Joran Eriksson to join the Liverpool Legends management team for a charity game against Ajax Legends at Anfield in March. Sven obviously revealed in January that he, you know, best case scenario, had about a year to live after being diagnosed with cancer and that it had always been his wish to be the Liverpool manager. So, uh, he will be joined in the dugouts by Ian Rush, by John Barnes, and by John Aldridge. I'm thrilled by this. Genuinely thrilled by this. I'm a big Sven fan. Loved his Copenhagen team, uh, his Gothenburg team. Loved his Lazio team. Loved his Sampdoria team. 
Big fan. Big fan. What a shame. But getting to live out his dream. So that's the most important thing. On to the gossip. Kylian Mbappe and his camp are unconvinced by Real Madrid's latest offer. It is lower than the offer they made him last year. So it remains to see what Mbappe will choose to do. Um, it's a huge decision for him. He's already, I think, wasted too many years at PSG. This is the best player in the world. And he's now finishing up year six with PSG. That's three too many for my money. Actually, excuse me, year seven with PSG. And when you look at the numbers, I mean, it's ludicrous. Uh, so the year he was there on the loan, so it comes through it at Monaco, and in his first full season, 26 goals in 44 games. Outrageous. Monaco win the title. Goes to PSG, loan with an obligation to buy for $168 million. 21 goals in 44 games. Then he joins permanently. 39 and 43, 30 and 37, 42 and 37, 39 and 46, 41 and 43, 30 and 29. The numbers are outrageous. 242 goals in 289 appearances for PSG. But it is time. It is beyond time for him to move on and play elsewhere and show the world what he's really capable of. It is notable that at 25, he's only 10 goals short of the all-time top scorer for France. He is only, well, only, he's 70 caps short of Hugo Lloris's 145 caps. He's got 75 caps already at 25. He's just turned 25 as well, just before Christmas. It's time for him to move on. Now, I assume Real is where he ends up, but we'll wait and see. Tottenham are confident Ange Postacoglu will stay at the club despite potential interest from Liverpool. I'd imagine he's on a shortlist, and I think he's warrants been on that shortlist. West Ham have delayed contract talks with David Moyes as the club focuses on ending a seven-game winless streak. All we've heard all season was there was going to be no contract talks. Then they had a good run, then there was going to be contract talks, and now they're having another bad run, and there'll be no contract talks. It's very, very strange. Uh, Bernardo Silva is a target for PSG with the French champions willing to pay the 51 million release clause in his new contract. Manchester United are interested in Matthias Delict. I called this one for January. I think it'll happen in the summer. He is known to be unhappy with what's going on at Bayern and who can blame him? He hasn't been great, but he's so much better than Eric Dyer. It's untrue. Uh, Arsenal also hold interest in Delict, but United are currently in pole position. Yeah, that would make sense. Two Bayer Leverkusen defenders are also being watched by Manchester United. Eric Ten Hag is keen on Jeremy Frimpong and Edmund Topsoppa. Frimpong, as a fullback in the Premier League, I would have serious concerns. Topsoppa is really good. Ten Hag has personally requested the signing of Laturo Martinez. Never going to happen. Arsenal and Liverpool are both interested in Pedro Neto. I would be thrilled with Pedro Neto at Anfield. Uh, Wolves will want 50 to 60 million, which I think is about fair value. Chelsea are tracking Bournemouth and Hungary left-back Milos Kerkes, along with Bayern Munich and Canada fullback Alfonso Davies, because, you know, all the other left-backs they have just 
aren't good enough. Um, that's written by uh, Tom Weber, who I don't know, but he writes for football transfers. And that is enough for me to deem Tom Weber a major spoofer. Uh, Fulham failed in a bid to sign Sebastian Haller in January because he wanted to focus on the AFCON. Fair enough. Barcelona have put Andreas Christensen and Rafinha up for sale in an attempt to reduce the wage bill, and I'd imagine in an attempt to bring in some funds, which will be badly needed. Uh, Frankie de Jong apparently is another one that they might be willing to sell. Um, Bayer Leverkusen manager Xabi Alonso is now wanted by Barcelona as well as Real Madrid and Liverpool. I would also imagine you could very much throw the name Bayern Munich into the list of clubs that will want him. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain have included AC Milan and Portugal winger Rafael Liao and Nigeria striker Victor Osman on their potential list of targets should Mbappe leave. Uh, Liao is the one that makes all the sense for them. He's a like-for-like swap. Not as good, but he's really good. Um, They spent $150 on Goncalo Ramos and Randall Colomuani in the summer. So it would be a bit foolish to sign Osman uh, when you already have those two. Uh, even though he's better, it just wouldn't make sense. Porto and Iran striker Mehdi Tarami is set to have a medical at Inter Milan and join on a free transfer this summer. It looks like uh, Petr Zielinski also heading there on a free. Tarami makes a lot of sense for them. They could use a target man striker. He has been tremendous for Porto, not having a great season this year, but the three previous years he was outstanding. He was really good at Rio Ave the year before. It's just a shame that he was 26 or whatever when he came to Europe because it may have cost him, you know, quite a bit of money. Really good player, though. Uh, Manchester United midfielder Kobe Manu will accept a call up by England, but is also planning to keep his international future open with the 18-year-old also able to represent Ghana. I'm not sure how that would work if he's willing to accept a call-up. If he plays, that's it. Uh, a blue card for goal. I went through that blue card thing yesterday. Right, folks, that's it. That's me for today. I will see you all on Thursday. No pod tomorrow. I'm back Thursday. Talk to you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.